join this social sports conversation. Follow TSN 690 on Facebook. Click on Facebook.com slash TSN 690 Montreal. This is Okwonkwo now. Good pass on the left for Safir Taider and it's in! Piet! What a goal for Samuel Piet at the top of the six-yard box. And you won't find a bigger smile in MLS this week. Welcome back. Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you till noon. And a reminder, we do have Montreal Impact Soccer tomorrow night on TSN 690. Olivier Brett, Grant Needham with the call as the Impact take on the Philadelphia Union. It's a home game in New Jersey. Joining us now to talk about that and much more, we have Impact midfielder Sam Piet. Sam, how's it going, man? How you been? Hey, Joey. How are you? I've been great. You? I've been good. I've been good. Thanks for doing this. We appreciate you uh, getting up with us here. Um, look, uh, let's let's get in straight to the the home, that quote-unquote home game in Jersey. Uh, we know that uh, you have a young family at home. How did you feel about having to go to the States for a couple more weeks after being in Orlando for all that time? Yeah, obviously, you know, this is a situation where not everybody is, is pleased with that, uh, especially, like you said, the, the guys, you know, that have families uh, back here in Montreal. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. There's not much we can do about it. Uh, you know, for myself, I have the, the, the opportunity and the chance, you know, to, to, to have my family and, and my girlfriend's family as well here in Montreal to, to help us out. So, so I'm lucky for that. But obviously, we would have preferred, you know, playing uh, home games here in Montreal. But like I said, it is, it is what it is. And, and we have to go down there and then try to get the job done. So you've uh, you've been a father for I guess it's less than a month now. Uh, give me the scouting report on uh, a little Romy, your son. How does he sleep? <laughs> How does he sleep? Uh, yeah. Give me the build. What type of uh, player profile are we talking about here? <laughs> I still he's still really small with me, uh, but he's, he's he's pretty strong to be honest. <laughs> um, he's he's sleeping a lot better than than he was, uh, you know, during the first week. He's now three three weeks three weeks old. Sorry. Uh, so still very young, still early to to do a little scouting report on him. But uh, now he's been a lot better. Uh, the mom as well has, has been doing a lot better. Um, so you know it's always tough at the beginning because this is your first uh, newborn. Uh, you don't know how to do it. There's not like a manual that comes with it. Uh, so you gotta you gotta adapt. Uh, but now it's a lot better than before, and 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 really happy that everything goes well. So it is early, but uh, does he look more like mom or like dad? I think he, right now he looks more like like me, like me like uh, like dad. Okay. Uh, you know, still a lot of times uh, had to, to, to change. Hopefully, uh, it'll it'll change a little bit because the mom is is a lot you know more beautiful than than me. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, fair point. I've been I'm in the same boat. Don't worry about it. Sam Piet <laughs> of the Montreal Impact joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with Joey Alfieri. All right, I, I want to take you back to Sunday. Uh, we'll talk about Wednesday later, but. Just that, what was that feeling like? Because we know that people have been taking, you know, I've taken my friendly jabs at you too. Like, we laugh about it and stuff, but I'm sure it had to be weighing on you, that first goal, probably wondering when it was going to come. Uh, just what was that moment like in the moment? What were you feeling? Yeah, in the moment, I was obviously really, really happy. Um, but the first thing that came up to my mind was, and, and it might sound strange, and but the first thing I thought about is is that we increased our lead in the game. Uh, you know, we went into halftime where we were two one, uh, two one up, and then I scored, and I knew it was it, it was now three one. So I was happy for that to give us like a little cushion to be more comfortable in the game. And right after, obviously, like a second or two later, I realized that that was my first goal, and I realized it when everybody, you know, all my teammates jumped on me and sprinted towards me to, to celebrate it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a problem. 
know if you would have told me 10 years ago that I would have been playing the Montreal Impact uh, in the MLS and, and score a goal for them uh, in an important game like that, I wouldn't maybe didn't believe you. Mm. Uh, but now, now it is done, and I'm happy to have scored the first one, and hopefully uh, the account will, will, will keep rolling like that. What was the last goal? Do you remember? My last goal before that? Yeah. Um, my last goal was in Spain when I was playing with uh, Deportivo La Coruña U23, under 23 reserve team. Uh, and that was, I think, in 2016. So that was a long, long time ago. <laughs> so what's next? Child number two or goal number two? Yeah, I think, I think goal number two is going to come <laughs> before the child number two. <laughs> I, I hope so too. Sam Fiat, Montreal Impact, joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Uh, who was the first non-teammate you spoke to uh, about the goal? Yeah, it was it was obviously my my girlfriend. As yeah. soon as I I came in the locker, uh, you know, I, I look at my phone and and that was the first person I went to, and I actually saw that she sent me a message and she told me she was sleeping during the entire game, but she woke up two minutes before I scored. Oh. She saw the goal, uh, so she was obviously really happy for me. But she's like, "It's so funny. I've been sleeping the entire game." Um, but I woke up just for that moment, so now she was really happy and, and proud of me. And obviously, you know, when I scored my goal, I thought about you know my girlfriend and and, and my little son, uh, which were back home. And I know how difficult it was, you know, for my my girlfriend to be alone. Uh, so yeah, these these were the two person I thought about. Hopefully, she didn't wake up the baby. Hopefully not. Uh, <laughs> hopefully not, because you know when when the baby is sleeping, you gotta take advantage of that and then. Your like your phone must have like get, take take me into the locker room after the game. What does your phone look like after you score your first goal? I'd imagine it blew up. Yeah, obviously a lot of messages. Uh, a lot of people messaged me, and it was pretty much all all you know the same message where people were like, "Oh, finally the first one," and people were were actually happy with with how I scored my first goal, and I was obviously happy with that because it wasn't a goal where it was a deflection yeah. or you know I was in front of the goal, touched my. I don't know my my butts and just went in the goal. You know it was it was a a, a good set of goal where it was a clean finish. Uh, so people were like, oh, I didn't know you had you had that in you, you know, because uh, before that I wasn't really never in the box, but now with my new role and position, I have more opportunities to be closer to the goal. But yeah, a lot of messages, really happy, you know, and and I I would love to to thank you know everybody that, that sent me their messages and and their support. It's it means a lot, you know. A lot of people just send messages and say thank you, but it means a lot for a professional player where sometimes you go, you know, tougher moments. Then when an happy moment like that comes, you, you got to cherish it and, and, and not take it for granted. I'm glad you talk about your, your new role. We obviously, we've seen you get forward uh, on the right side quite a bit. Uh, when did you find out about this new role and who had the conversation with you and what was that like? Yeah, it was, uh, it was before the tournament in, down in Orlando where we were training here at, at San Utile. Uh, you know, preparing that tournament, and obviously we we just came off you know uh, of, of three months of not playing and not even training you know with the team. So we were kind of uh, working on different stuff you know for for formation and tactics with with the team. And then I tried different roles. Um, you know, we saw down in Orlando where uh, I had like a, a two position role where I was defending as a right back in the first game and mm-hmm. attacking as an offensive mid, and then. This this role just turned into just being a number kind of ten, number eight, so higher up the pitch, um, and and that's something that worked really well in training, and and it's working uh, really well as well in the games as you know the season progress. I feel like I'm getting 
better and better every game and, and feeling more confident. And obviously with that first goal scored and then, and, you know, assisting as well, Kyoto's, uh, I think it was the fourth goal on, on Sunday, obviously gave me a lot of confidence to, 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 to keep pushing and continuing and, and showing me that um, I can have success at this position. Impact midfielder Sam Piet joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with Joey Alfieri. We're with you till noon. Uh, okay, moving on to uh, Wednesday, Sam. I know you guys wanted to have destiny in your own hands when it came to the Canadian Championship Final. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. Uh, I think everybody clearly on the team cares about the Canadian Championship. For Maybe for a guy like yourself, you, you maybe appreciate it a little more. I think it's fair to say that. Uh, how tough was it to swallow the way it went down in Vancouver on Wednesday? Yeah, it was it was really difficult because I thought we had that in our hands and and you know we were in control uh, up until you know the, the unfortunate red card. Um, you know it was it was a mistake. Uh, we, we learned from that. We all know this is something very avoidable, uh, which obviously makes it even more frustrating. But no, I think you know going down into Vancouver uh, even before the first game, we all knew it was a difficult task to to, to try to get the Canadian Championship. Uh, spot in the final and then we put ourselves in great position for the first game on with our win over uh, 4-2 on them and then going into the, the game on Wednesday we knew we had chances and, and, and during the game like I said we were in control and obviously that red card and PK didn't help us so to, to lose like that where we knew we had a lot of chances to go through and, and like I said we were in control it was it was you know, it was very difficult to to take that. Uh, look, I, I'm sure nobody feels worse than uh, than Rudy for the red card, Camacho. Do you say anything to him after the game, like, or do you just kind of leave him be? No, I personally didn't say anything. Obviously, I was like pretty much everybody else. We were all frustrated on 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 what he did, which is a normal reaction. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you put yourself in his shoes, you know it's 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 difficult, and you know you you made mistakes and. And you put your team in, in trouble, so there's not much you could say. He recognized it. He, he apologized afterwards, and 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 that's fine. Now we have to move on. You know, the past is in the past, and and he's still, you know, a member of of this of this group, an important player on this team. So we have we have to, to move on. You know, stuff like that happens. Hopefully, it won't happen again. But you know, it is what it is, and we, there's nothing we can do now. Uh, I'll leave you with this, uh, Sam. Uh, how are you feeling about this matchup against uh, Philadelphia tomorrow? How weird is it going to be to play? New- I guess you guys have played neutral site in Orlando, but you guys are the quote-unquote home team in a game against Philly. What's the challenge tomorrow night? Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really weird to play home in, in New Jersey. You know, this is a place we we haven't played there in, in a while. Uh, against a really good team, was in in a good moment like that. Um, I think we just have, you know, in this phase to take. Every game uh, at, at a time, you know, we can we cannot think too too much about you know the next opponent and stuff like that. We gotta just take as many points as possible every time we play a team, whether it's home or away. I think with this year, um, you know, that has been really really weird. Uh, it, it's it's it, it doesn't really matter now, home or away. We just have to play football, and I think we've proved that you know in the past uh, six game with the other Canadian team that uh, you know. Wherever we play, we can we can come up against any team and, and challenge them. So I think that's what we're gonna do on on Sunday against Philly. But like I said, Philly is a really really good team, and they're in a very good place right now. So it's gonna be obviously very difficult. Sam, thanks for doing this. All the best to you, mom, and the baby, and uh, have uh, have a great couple weeks here in the states. Yeah, thank you very much, Joey. Really appreciate it. That's Sam Piet of the Montreal Impact.
on Saturday Sports on TSN 690 uh, with Joey Alfieri. We're with you till noon. Just a reminder, we will be talking to former NHL goaltender Jamie McLennan, who is now a co-host on Overdrive on TSN 1050 uh, in Toronto. But before we do that, Tom Brady may be without one of the biggest weapons in his second game as a buck. Can Aaron Rodgers build on his huge week one performance? And can Cam Newton stun the Seahawks on Sunday night? We'll talk a little NFL on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Welcome back to Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you till noon. And uh, just a reminder, we will be talking to former NHL goaltender Jamie McLennan about the Stanley Cup final, which gets going tonight, and uh, about the Montreal Canadiens and what they've done in the offseason so far, adding Jake Allen and uh, Joel Edmondson and what they're going to do with that uh, just over shade over $10 million in cap space. Uh, A reminder that if you miss any part of the show live, you can go to the TSN 690 website to catch the interviews you may have missed. And uh, please remember, we are on... Apple Podcast, and we are wherever uh, you get your podcasts. Uh, you can find us Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Uh, please subscribe and leave a positive comment if you can. And uh, if you want to give it five stars, I'm not going to object to that. Uh, all right. Uh, busy weekend. Uh, we saw that uh, week two of the NFL season got underway with a bang. Really enjoyed that uh, Cleveland Browns Cincinnati Bengals game. A pair of young quarterbacks looked pretty good and uh, Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield and uh, that sets us up hopefully for a really exciting uh, week two uh, on Sunday tomorrow look uh, Tom Brady we talked about this last week and there was a good chance that you know they'd get off to a slow start Mike Evans his go-to receiver is banged up uh, in last week's game and he I think he had one catch for like seven yards or something like that uh, but it seems like Mike Evans is healthy he's ready to go and uh, Tampa Bay uh, gets a matchup with the Carolina Panthers who uh Offensively, I mean, they made things happen last week against the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, mainly because of Christian McCaffrey, the running back. But uh, defensively, they really they couldn't stop the Raiders. And uh, they gave up three touchdowns on the ground uh, to Josh Jacobs. So I'm excited to see uh, what Brady and the Bucks can do. Uh, Chris Godwin, his other go-to receiver, uh, he did practice yesterday, was in concussion protocol all week, uh, but still doubtful. Uh, according to Bruce Arians, and of course, all week, I'm sure you've heard about the you know Bruce Arians calling out Tom Brady after Sunday's loss to the New Orleans Saints. Tom Brady, two interceptions in that game, uh, a pick six in that game as well. And uh, people were surprised that Bruce Arians uh, kind of roasted Tom Brady. And uh, I I mean, it didn't really bother me. I think it's just a coach calling out his player. And I wouldn't even be surprised if there was a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, hey, Tommy, uh, I'm going to call you out here just to, you know, for the rest of the team to you know, kind of be on guard. And, and, you know, sometimes that works. And I think, you know, you've heard with the New England Patriots, that was a thing. Bill Belichick did, but not in the open to the media, but behind closed doors, they would break down tape and Belichick would, you know, rip into Tommy at times because, you know, he wants other people to be on notice. Like if Tom Brady can get ripped, I can get ripped too. And I think that's kind of what Bruce Arians is doing here. And just the only difference is that Bruce Arians, the head coach of the Bucks, did it you know, for in front of the cameras and in front of the tape recorders. That's the only difference. Uh, Tom was asked about uh, Bruce Arians' criticism of him. Uh, this is a very long question from a reporter and a very short answer from Tom Brady. Hey, Tom, there's, there's been a lot of talk this week about Bruce Arians kind of being Bruce Arians and kind of being blunt in his criticism of you and specifically in the two interceptions. How is that for you? I think there's a perception that you haven't taken a lot of criticism from your coaches before. I don't think this is something that surprised you this week, is it? Oh, so what's the question? <laughs> just, just whether you were surprised at all to hear Bruce speaking publicly about the picks and, and, and being critical of you as he was. Uh, you know, he's a coach, so you know, I'm a player. 
Just trying to win a game. Oh, I think that's one where less is more uh, with the reporter. I think that's a question that's uh, obviously delicate. Credit to the reporter for asking it. But I think that's one where you just have to simply go, hey, Tom, uh, what did you think of uh, Bruce Arians' criticism of you after the game against New Orleans? I I think you have to keep it short and sweet. Don't get bogged down in the, hey, I've heard, you know, there's a perception that you don't get criticized. Just... Leave all that stuff. Just go short and sweet with that question, and uh, don't give him a, a yes or no out. But but listen, credit to the reporter for asking, and I just I think you have to ask it a little bit differently uh, there. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you till noon. We will talk to Jamie McLennan in just a couple of minutes, former NHL goaltender, about the Stanley Cup final and the Montreal Canadiens offseason. Um, but we're breaking down week two of the NFL right now. And look, I, I thought last week watching that game against New Orleans for Tom Brady, the one thing that kind of surprised me, uh, I wasn't surprised by the mistakes, the interceptions. I still don't know if the first interception was on Tom. Uh, it looked like Mike Evans gave up on that route. But that's why, that's what leads me to think that there was a little, there was a, a an understanding between Arians and Brady that like, you know, maybe, hey, Tom, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to give you a little bit of heat for the interceptions uh, just so everyone else in that locker room is on notice that they're not going to get away with anything because Tom Brady doesn't get away with anything. So I don't even know if the first interception was on Brady. The pick six was. It was a tough throw to make. Uh, and uh, and obviously it hurt the Bucks as they did lose in New Orleans. But the one thing that surprised me watching that game the Bucks have the best tight end room in football right now. Even though I don't think Gronk is the same player he once was, uh, they do have O.J. Howard, who they drafted in the first round a few years ago. Uh, Cameron Brait is a very good receiving tight end as well, and uh, Anthony O'Claire, more of a blocker. Uh, the uh, the the Quebec-born tight end who's actually just placed on injured reserve. He's going to miss uh, the next few weeks of action. But I-, I like their tight end groups. I just I thought the tight ends would be more involved in the passing game, especially with a banged up. Mike Evans last week. Uh, now Chris Godwin's banged up, so uh, we'll see if he plays or not against Carolina tomorrow. But yeah, I'm I'm curious. Like, I think the better story is Tom Brady not doing well. But you know, I, I want to see the Bucks do well. I was just skeptical. I know there's a lot of people that experts had them as a you know a shoe in for double digit wins. I just I, I'm not sure uh, that uh, that Brady and the uh, and the Buccaneers are there. I, I think they'll they'll sneak into a playoff spot. Don't get me wrong. I think they'll compete for a playoff spot. Uh, but just not sure they're going to be you know as dominant as as some people expect them to be. Uh, there is a lot of games that I'm interested in seeing, of course, this weekend. Uh, mainly Sunday night football. Cam Newton. Uh, can he repeat what he did to the Miami Dolphins last week? Cam looked good last week. He took some shots. He wasn't shying away from contact. Uh, we know that he's had foot issues in the past. We know that he's had a shoulder issue in the past. Uh, and that's kind of part of the reason why he was out at Carolina. Uh, against Going up against Russell Wilson, who I think has a legit shot to win the MVP this year. That's a big one on Sunday Night Football. Because... I mean, you look, and everyone's expecting the Dolphins to be better this year, and I think they will be, but, you know, they still are a franchise in transition. So um, I think you're, if you're a New England Patriots fan, you're excited about what you saw in Week 1, and you're excited that, you know, Cam looks healthy, and the offense was able to, to roll. And the one thing that always impresses me with uh, Josh McDaniel and, and uh, Bill Belichick and, and that staff is that they adjust to the players they have. You know, you get some coaches sometimes where, you know, you get a scrambling quarterback or you get a quarterback who's, you know, run uh, or capable of running and you kind of force him to stay in the pocket and adjust to your offense. 
the Patriots always adjust to the players that they have. And they adjust, the coaches adjust their scheme to their players. And that was obvious last week, uh, watching Cam run all over the uh, Miami Dolphins. So now you get a stiffer test. Uh, of course, that uh, that Seattle defense, I think, is better than the Miami defense, even though they might be a little weak up front. Um, I, I do think that this is going to be a stiffer test for Cam Newton and the New England Patriots, but that's definitely one of the games uh, I'm keeping an eye on, of course. Uh, then there's uh, Indy, Minnesota. There's Phillip Rivers bounce back. And uh, I don't know, Phillip Rivers, I've, I've got some... I've got some questions after you lose to the Jaguars in week one, but a full slate of NFL action, and we will carry uh, a 1 o'clock game for you here on TSN 690 with the pregame beginning at 1230. Uh, We will have that Colts-Vikings game for you. Former NHL goalie Jamie McLennan was a teammate of Mark Bergevin's in St. Louis. How does he feel about the job Bergevin's done this offseason, and has he ever been the victim of a Bergevin prank? McLennan will join us on Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri on TSN 690. Welcome back. Saturday Sports, TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you. Stanley Cup final gets going tonight and uh, to preview that and to talk uh, talk about the goalie world because I think the goalie world is going to change quite a bit here during the offseason is uh, our good friend, former NHL goaltender, and he's the co-host of Overdrive on TSN 1050, Jamie McLennan. Jamie, thanks for doing this, man. How are you? Not too bad. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So I, I, we, I'm on the air from 3 to 7 here in Montreal, Monday to Friday, so yeah. I don't get to see you guys live, but I do Uh-oh. see the clips. <laughs> the clips are hilarious. You and O-Dog, like I, I saw the one last week where uh, you guys had a good laugh because he was scratching his face and he was scratching the microphone like this, yeah, like live on the air. You would think that, uh, you know, I think he's about seven years in. I, I think I'm <laughs> nine years into to doing this. You'd think you'd be able to be mindful or find a mute button somewhere, but that's uh, uh, so. He's, uh, he's unique and he's amazing on air. And it's just, uh, you know, our show is, uh, I'm sure you find the, the same way. Like, you know, once you turn the mic on, you, you it's for us, it's three guys just talking. Yeah. And we have no idea where we're going, but we have a lot of fun and, <laughs> You know, some days are better than others, but for the most part, uh, you know, it works. Put it that way. It I don't does. know how it works, but it works. It definitely does work. Uh, how many times Jeff O'Neill score on you in the NHL? Actually, I, I think there's a, our PSN uh, stats guy, Kevin Gibson. I, I think he said zero. Wow. Weird. Uh, but I, I, it's not like I played, you know, 50 games against him. I, I think it was something crazy, like I, he maybe played two games against me or something, and and, uh, you know, didn't score in those games. Believe me, everyone else found a way to score. So don't I, you know, <laughs> but, but uh, I played with Ray Ferraro too, and I think Ray ended up getting one when he was playing on a different team. But, you know, ultimately, uh, I, I don't think O would let me live it down if he ended up, if there was one that was, you know, a, a highlight reel goal where he ripped one by me or anything. But I do remember the pre-scout playing uh, Carolina, you know, right-handed shot. He had good speed down the wall and he shot in stride. So he was certainly a dangerous shooter that a uh, goaltender had to be mindful of. So, you, But you don't remember, like, robbing him with a great save either, though, right? No, I don't. You know, chances are if he had a shot, uh, you know, it, it, it maybe it hit me and, and it was – I wouldn't call it a routine save, but I got lucky or something like that. But I don't remember a clear-cut play where it was like, you know, O-Dog alone in on me on a breakaway or something, and I robbed him. There's, there's only – those are few and far between. But I, I do remember – it's funny, like as you say, my first ever 
uh, shutout came kind of mid career. I was, I think I was like 27 years old and I'd never gotten a shutout and I was playing for the St. Louis blues and we were playing Montreal that night. And I had a, uh, a, bra- a breakaway to Vinny Danfoos and I poke checked him and I only made like 17 saves that night. But I remember giving heck to our, um, like our stats guy uh, who he didn't give me a chance against because I poke checked him. So here, here's how crazy that was is I never got a shot on goal and I never got registered chance against because I was the aggressor and I poke checked Danfoos on a breakaway. Had I let him shoot on me and I made the save, it would have been registered at a, as a high danger chance against and a shot on goal. So uh, my proactiveness, uh, even though I got the shutout that night, I didn't get a shot on goal or a chance against registered uh, in the eyes of the analytical world. How, how important is the, the backup goalie, starting goalie dynamic? Like in, in your mind, like I know you, you've played you know, both roles yeah. and just how important is it? Who's the best goalie you played with? Well, I've been lucky. So if you take a look at it, I started my first ever NHL partner was Ron Hextall. So you want to talk about yeah. somebody who's, you know, I think revolutionized the game as far as handling the puck. Um, Hexy taught me so much as far as work ethic and, you know, what, what to bring to the rink every day, that intensity and the preparation. Um, you know, I played with Mika Kiprasov, Roberto Luongo, Grant Fear. Like these are some like le- legendary goaltenders. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Fierzy's a Hall of Famer. I think Luongo's going to be a Hall of Famer. Kiprasov, to me, might be the best out of all of them. It's just as far as a, just a, a natural goaltender. But I was so lucky to, to have some amazing partners, even guys that maybe fly under the radar, like a Roman Turek or, uh, yeah. you know, a Manny Fernandez. Like they, they were fantastic goaltenders. But, you know, it just, I, I tried to take a little piece of, Every one of them that I played with, I, I certainly didn't have their talent level, but you know, maybe just their approach or the the way they like to make certain saves and stuff. It's it, it's almost like just uh, through osmosis, you just learn by being around that greatness. Jamie McClendon joining us on Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri on TSN six ninety. Because you know, I ask you about that just because you know how it's gone here in the last couple of years. Montreal's been searching for a backup to Carey Price, and they settled on yeah. on Jake Allen this year. Uh, what did you think of the move? And are you okay with the Canadians spending like almost fifteen million dollars on on the goaltending position? Well, obviously it's rich. I mean, you know, there's no getting around it. You know, with a flat cap, eighty one and a half million, and you've got fifteen in net. Now, I did see Bergey, uh in some recent interviews saying, like, we have no idea what the condensed schedule is going to look like. And that's something that people have to factor in, right? So if you're going to get more back-to-backs because you're going to try and get 82 games in, let's say, from January, you know, right down to June and then play the playoffs in, in the, the summer next summer, I, I think the league will be looking at trying to have the safest path to that, but... If you have to have a condensed schedule, that means uh, that's a lot of work for your goaltender. And, you know, I carries the best goaltender in the world. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've heard me say that several times. Yep. I just, I, I think he's that good. But, you know, if you're mindful of his health, um, I thought it was a savvy move by Bergevin. And I'll tell you why. Because, you know, yes, Jake Allen makes a lot of money, but it's on a one-year deal. So, you know, you're not taking up, if he's looking at signing Petrie to an extension or players like that, then you're not, you know, dipping into the well for the following season. Um, there's a lot of musical chairs still when it comes to goaltenders in the offseason here. So 
you know, if you feel like maybe it's not a fit and you're going to acquire or sign somebody that, you know, you need that cap room for, I still think Jake Allen would be a piece that you could move and, and get value for it. And it's not like Bergey paid a ton for it as well uh, for, for acquiring Jake Allen. So to me, I think there was just so many factors that uh, it comes out in a positive light for Mark Bergevin and the Canadians. I like Jake Allen. He's a fantastic person. Um, he's a good goaltender. I think he's going to work well in a tandem situation. Um, and, and to me, that's what the, the league is like right now. There's only about eight or nine goalies in the league that are standalone starters. Well, Kerry's the best, and you certainly want Kerry in there as much as possible, but you, you have to protect the body, protect the mind, and why not have somebody that can fill that position? As you well know, uh, it's been a struggle, that backup position for the last couple of years in Montreal, where you're legit, legitimately, I think it was 13 starts last year for the backup for the Montreal Canadiens between three different goaltenders, and they got 11 total points. So that's you need more points from your backup. So I think Jake Allen could deliver that. Jamie McLennan joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN six ninety. All right, uh, you played with uh, Mark Bergevin, right in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. I want your yep. best. I want your best Bergevin story. I've never heard. <laughs> I don't know. There's <laughs> there's too many of them, but I, you know the the best part about Bergie is, you know, I, I think people know he's got a fantastic sense of humor. So wherever we were, uh, you know, Bergie always enjoyed music. So the only uh, the only time I can remember is. We would be, I would be the backup. I'd be sitting on the bench and it'd be a close game and, you know, everyone's tense and there's the emotions are high. And all of a sudden, like a dance music song would come on, uh, uh, you know, over the sound system. You know, it's a 1 1 and we're playing like Chicago and it's a tight game. <laughs> and Bergie would be sitting beside me and, and you could feel him like kind of moving to the music and he'd look <laughs> at me and just, and big smile on his face. And, and, you know, it, it was, he was such a pro and, and, and such a really good player. I, I just had so much great things to say about Bergie. But, you know, in that moment, I kind of knew what he was thinking. He's like, this is a great song. So, you know, I, there were a lot of moments like that when it came to Berge and, and him keeping the, the bench light and, and, and being such a pro. He was a fantastic player and, and guys, every guy in that room loved him and, and they, they're, you know, I'm sure he still keeps uh, in touch with a lot of guys. Uh, I, I try to reach out once in a while just to say hello, but um, I think he's done a fantastic job there in Montreal. I know the fan base is very passionate, and, you know, they want a winner yesterday, but, you know, he's methodically worked his way into a pretty good situation, and you see the, the young players coming through. So uh, he's got his work cut out for him this summer, but uh, I think they're, they're headed in the right path. Yeah, I, I think they're in an okay spot. Jim. Like I know the the Edmondson signing is it's been honestly the reaction here has been fifty fifty. I'm I'm okay with it, especially because they do want to get bigger and they want to get a little bit meaner. And they did have success uh, bringing in Sherrod, but they still have money to blow, and I think they have uh, guys that they can trade. And in just in a flat cap world, I think they've positioned themselves in a pretty good spot to land somebody either via trade or in free agency. Absolutely. And, and I just think, to be honest, it, there's going to be so much movement this offseason because of a flat cap, because of teams may, might be working with their own internal budget, not just a salary cap, but the owner may say to them, hey, we were a cap team last year. Mm-hmm. I need $10 million off that payroll. Go make that happen. And that might be a really good player that's available that you wouldn't think is available because 
it's just flat out money. And that's where, you know, Bergie's been mindful uh, of, of being under the cap, of giving himself some, some space there. He might all of a sudden blink and, and not realize this great player is available and all it's going to cost is, uh, you know, some draft picks and you picking up that salary. So I, I think the Montreal Canadiens fans, obviously all eyes will be on the type of moves that, that Mark can pull off, but he has placed himself in a situation to add to this group. Uh, and, and the, the group is growing. They got some fantastic, uh, experience that was kind of unexpected because of the pandemic, but, um, they can grow from that. And, and to me, uh, you know, guys like Kakanyemi found a, another level where it was otherwise maybe a little bit of a disappointing regular season for him. You see him in the playoffs and he's had a, it's almost like he had a, uh, another step, another, uh, you know, layer of confidence to his game. So I think Bergey's going to be very active as he usually is in the off season. He's a self self-proclaimed prankster Bergeron. You weren't the victim of a prank or two, were you? Uh, I was the victim of several of Bergey's pranks, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, nothing, you know, nothing egregious. It's just, uh, I'll tell one quick story. Sure. Um, okay, so wherever we would go, the star players, let's just say we go to Ottawa. We're playing, so we're at the St. Louis Blues, we're playing the Ottawa Senators. And you, you go in and the dressing room is, is all set up and you go in and there's always jerseys in the middle of the room that maybe somebody has left for either a charity or something to sign. So you walk in and it, and it's, you know, it's Pronger, it's Brett Hall, it's Al McKinnis, it's Pavel Dimitra. We had some real stars on our team. Yeah. So, you know, you, you don't pay attention. You just, you're doing your thing. And I remember one time Bergie was like, Hey, uh, and noodles, I need you to sign this Jersey. And so I, I go and sign this Jersey <laughs> And it was like, I, I thought the whole team was signing it, but he was like, yeah, sign it real big right there. So I just signed it and walked away. And apparently it was like a, you know, a Jersey for somebody that they just wanted like Brett Hull to sign it because it was a <laughs> Brett Hull Jersey. And there, there's, you know, backup goaltender, Jamie McLennan <laughs> on the six and, and he's sitting in the background laughing, you know, him and Jeff Cortnell. So he used to do things like that. And you know what? That was on me for, for realizing Burge asked me to, to sign something. But that's the type of, uh, you know, teammate he was. Like, like I say, I can't rave enough about, you know, the fun we had. We had a great team. We won the President's Trophy in 99 and probably should have had a lot more success. We just... Um, you know, that organization was top notch and Burrs was a big part of it. But uh, the three years I played with him, I had nothing but fun. And, and uh, you know, we developed a lifetime uh, uh, friendship over it, put it that way. What a character. Uh, all right. Uh, we've got uh, game one of the Stanley Cup final tonight. Uh, can you give me the, the in-depth scouting report on these two goalies, Vasilevsky and Hudobin? Like Hudobin in particular, um, there was in the middle of, of this last round, there was like a couple times where uh, he had that like stretched out that right leg and he made some crazy saves. And I've always liked him. He's never really gotten his opportunity to start before now. Uh, but just when you see Hudobin, like, does he remind you of anybody? Well, it's funny that, you know, everyone's been talking, that, drawing the parallels to Tim Thomas, right? Because they're a little bit smaller goalies little thicker goalies like they they they're they're big and or they're they're shorter but powerful goalies um they don't give up on pucks so it wasn't you know for me it's not style points mm -hmm. Hudobin just 
gets it done. And that's through sheer work ethic and desire in the net. And he worries about his, his structure of his game after that. And that's what Tim Thomas was. Tim Thomas was, for me, he was a battler in the net that, that knew how to stop pucks. But, you know, it was, it was stopping pucks first. It was style points after. And I think that's what, what, uh, Hudobin has in his game. It's quite impressive. Um, you know, my, I guess, caution, I think Hudobin's on a great run to give himself a chance to win a Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. But my caution would be people have to, I'll just say managers, general managers, especially with him being an unrestricted free agent, they have to be mindful of what he is as a goaltender. And to me, he's a platoon goaltender that can give you 35 to 40 games. Like, you, you can't have him, you know, if, if you ask me, like, you, he's not a standalone 50 or 60 goal right. game goaltender. Mm-hmm. And I, I just would hate to see a manager make a mistake like that where you're like, okay, I'm going to sign this guy and ask him to play 55 games like that. Because I, I just think he's better suited in that 30 to 35 game wheelhouse to, to play with somebody. So I, I think at the end of the day, managers will identify that. What will his price point be in the offseason? But um, I like him as a goaltender. Uh, just his battle and, and style points is not there, but it's his, his battle. It's all about him just trying to stop pucks and, and get it done. Where at, at the other end, you know, Vasilevsky's got all the tools. He's got the battle in him, um, but he has the structure. He's got a great glove hand. He's got fantastic feet, great flexibility. Like just everything about his game is just – uh, to me, super elite. That's what makes it dangerous for Tampa is you've got, you know, you've got a Vesna winning goaltender, you've got a Norris Trophy winning defenseman, you've got a Hart Trophy winning forward, and you've got Braden Point. <laughs> so, but, I mean, on paper, it's just very impressive. So Vasilevsky just uses his size and athleticism. Uh, for me, it'll just be real impressive for these two Russian goaltenders to go head-to-head. I'll leave you with this one, Jamie. Uh, how does I, Listen, even with the injuries that Tampa has right now, uh, I still think they're the favorites going in. Uh, I like Dallas, but how does Dallas get the job done in the series? I think they've got to get traffic on Vasilevsky. They can't allow Tampa to get speed in the neutral zone. Uh, that's one of their, you know, Tampa's really good on the counterattack. And, and the challenge now is, is, is Dallas has to play an up-tempo game. They played physical, uh, you know, in their, their last series. To me, they, they are a team that's got a good mix of everything. But, but ultimately, you can't, um, you can't allow Tampa to get 40-plus shots a night and just rely on your goaltender. And that's going to be the biggest challenge is you've got to play a well-rounded game against Tampa and, and be patient at times. We saw the Islanders kind of wear them down a little bit and be patient with, with structure. If Dallas tries to open the game up and, and get pretty, that's where Tampa on the counterattack can, can really go at you. So they've got to be mindful of that. Jamie, thanks so much for doing this, man. Really appreciate it, and uh, have a great weekend. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That's Jamie McLennan, former NHL goalie and host, one of the co-hosts of Overdrive on TSN 1050. If Dallas can play game one of this series like they played game one, of the past series against Vegas where they beat them one nothing and really did a number on them. If they can do that, 
then they got a legitimate chance to win game one. But they're going to have to play the same way in game one of this series as they did in game one versus Vegas. Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you for a couple more minutes. That's the voice of uh, NBC hockey analyst Pierre Maguire, who joins Melnick in the afternoon every day uh, at 5.05. And uh, I agree with Pierre. I think that's the way that Dallas not only wins game one, one nothing, 2-1, but I think that's how they're going to have to win the series. And look, the, the Lightning, give them credit. They're battle-tested. Uh, they had to play a team who plays very tight in the New York Islanders, just like the Dallas Stars do. But I just I wonder with the the key injuries that Tampa Bay has, I wonder if they just run out of steam right at the end. Uh, I have the Dallas Stars uh, in seven. I'm also rooting for Dallas, but I wouldn't hate it if the Lightning won the Cup because they've I mean they've they've endured some heartbreak uh, out there since winning in 2004, and they have a really really good team. Uh, but just with Dallas, I know their ownership, you know, they make money in the hotel and the restaurant business. And I wonder if they're not going to unload some contracts, maybe not spend to the cap uh, in the next couple of years. So they still, they'll still have some good players. Uh, I just don't know if they're going to be cup contenders uh, for the next couple of years after this. So uh, the Saturday sports question of the day, uh, assuming you have no horse in the race, who are you rooting for in the Stanley Cup final? 61% of you, and I'm sure these are a lot of uh, Radulov fans, 61% of you. Are are going for the Dallas Stars, thirty eight percent, going for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. So it's actually thirty nine, thirty eight point nine percent going for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So look, I, I'm I'm happy whoever wins, but my prediction is going to be uh, Stars in seven games, and uh, I just hope that we get some exciting hockey. I know that you know one nothing, two one isn't necessarily always the most exciting, but I don't think you need goals to make this exciting. There's really good players on both sides, and uh, that action gets going uh, tonight, seven thirty on NBC. Game one of the Stanley Cup final. Uh, thanks to uh, DJ Lalama who joined the program, Alouette's linebacker in the first hour. Uh, Sam Piet and Jamie McLennan also joined the show uh, in hour number two. If you missed any of those conversations, uh, you can find them up on the TSN 690 website uh, in uh, just a couple of seconds. Uh, if you want to hear the full hour-long uh, segments of the show, so hour one and hour two, uh, you can go to download our podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, just search for Saturday Sports on TSN 690, and you'll be able to hear uh, the full program, hour one and hour two um, minus the spot sets. Uh, of course, uh, feel free to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a great rating. Uh, thank you very much, everybody. This is Joey Alfieri saying have a fantastic weekend, 